Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of With Love Alexa. Today I have Derek Lavasseur. He was on, he was the Big Brother 16 winner. He has a crime weekly podcast that airs every Friday, the book Undercover Edge. And also if you are a fan or just like to watch cool shows, check out Discovery Plus. Um, he has Breaking Homicide. Hey Derek, how are you? I'm good, Alexa. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's so cool. Like, I just love to like meet new people. And it's like, obviously, I have watched Big Brother, but it's like exciting just because like, I just like to hear your story, everyone's story. So yeah, no, I think we talked a few minutes before you started the recording. And I love what you stand for and how you can take, you know, negative things and turn them into a positive thing. And, and also just just going right out there and acknowledging that regardless of who you are, um, where you might be currently in your life. We've all gone through things that have affected us um, both personally, professionally, and, and definitely mentally. So I think this is a good thing. So I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. And I agree. I think it is, like I said, it is so true is that we all have our struggles. No one's perfect. And if anyone thinks they're perfect, it's pretty boring. So <laughs> perfect. They're, they're wrong. <laughs> they're yes. wrong. And they have bigger issues to worry about. Yeah. So how, um, I guess to start, just how have you been during quarantine? Have you been able to like work a lot still or how's that been? Yeah, I've been fortunate. I mean, uh, some things have been shut down, uh, you know, television show, definitely not filming during COVID, <laughs> um, the ability to travel and work out and, you know, do what you usually do on a daily basis, not able to do that. Um, but I am fortunate in the sense where I do uh, a lot of uh, private consulting for uh, um, investigations that are going on. Um, I have my own private investigation and consulting firm called Break Group. Um, so that's my day-to-day. That's how I pay the bills. And fortunately, the majority of what I do is researching cases from my home office. So it didn't really change much with COVID, although it does make it a little bit more difficult to track down people because you really can't go out there and like, you know, drive up to their house and knock on the door because that's a big, you know, no-no right now. So yeah. um, adapt. And uh, I will say, and I'm not just saying it to be cliche, is many negatives that have come from this. Um, I'm someone who is constantly on the go and traveled a lot over the last, you know, four or five years since I was on Big Brother. And, you know, not being able to leave your house and having to be home with the family, although I love, I've always loved being home with the family, it, you know, it brought a new level to that because you're trying to find new and innovative ways to have fun throughout the day because there's only so much you can do. And it's only made me closer with them. And I love spending time with my girls and um, the distance learning that I've had to do with <laughs> my older daughter. So it's been a learning curve, but I wouldn't change it. And I honestly think um, beside from the COVID itself, I think a year from now, when things are back to normal, for the most part, I think a lot of people will be missing this time, at least a part of, you know, getting to spend time with your family, because normally, you know, we spend the most of our lives at work. So yeah. it's a nice change up for sure. I think what's going to end up happening is like, once things are like back to like, I guess as normals or I mean, they're gonna, it's gonna go back to normal at some point. But I think it's gonna feel like once everyone's like back working, restaurants, like all of that, I think it's going to all of a sudden feel like we never had this mo- period. Yeah. I, like, that's, like, that's how life is. You just like, it feels like it's never happened. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, you think of any, you know, we talk about trauma and stuff, you know, for the most part, something traumatic will happen. It can severely affect you. There'll be reminisce, you know, there'll be remnants of it throughout mm-hmm. your life completely gone. 
Um, but you do move on. I think one of the most traumatic things um, as a society we face, at least in, I'm 37, would be September 11th, you know, 9-11. And I remember, like, I thought the world was over, you know, like, yeah. you know, kind of stopped to kind of think about it. And, and, you know, even a year later, we were still, you know, kind of honoring the people that died in that, those tragic events. But now, you know, I think it was a 20 year anniversary. Uh, it's going to be the 20 year anniversary this year, right? Yeah, this coming year. This coming year. And you think, oh my God, it's been 20 years. Um, and you never forget, but is it, does it hit as hard as it did then? No, it doesn't. Cause right. you do move on, but you know, this, like I said, there's still remnants of it and we do a good job of not forgetting. And I, hopefully with COVID, we learn from it as a society and we, and we yeah. move on, but we don't forget. Yeah, I agree. I'm very curious, like what's going to happen, like once everything's like done and the vaccine's all done and everyone can go out and do their thing, but things are going to be different anyway, just because like of how we had to maneuver our lives. Like so much has gone to technology. Like some yeah. of these stores that like, don't, aren't going to be around anymore or restaurants. Like I think the world was eventually going to be going this way, like to mostly online, but I think this pushed it a lot earlier. I agree. It definitely expedited it. And I think from a business perspective, um, anything that can be converted to online or at home services has already been done because COVID has caused that to be the case. And I think it would be foolish not to assume that any employer who uh, would continue to do this and if they could convert most of their business to remote locations, why wouldn't you do it? You're saving money on, you know, buildings and right. uh, you know, uh, utilities and all these other expenses that you thought you needed uh, for your business, you know, to have that physical presence. But if they're able to conduct their business at a, you know, reasonable level um, and still make it profitable while also cutting out all these costs, then it would be, like I said, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be smart to go back to it from a business perspective. So I do agree with you. I think for the most part, anyone who can go online or remote um, will do that. And because now they've had, they've been forced to do it. And right. then worked out the kinks and now see the benefits. The only thing I hope that doesn't go online completely, which I don't think they're going to, is schools. I don't think that's smart. No, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. We it'll need it. <laughs> happen because there's a lot of intangibles that come with schools that you can't quantify through a test. And what I'm talking about is social skills. Yeah. Um, the ability to interact and communicate with others. And I'm not talking about just others as in your family members, but as with people kids you, your age, kids of different backgrounds and cultures and beliefs, you know, that's part of becoming an adult. It's understanding that everyone in the world is different than you. And uh, you may not always agree with people. And there's all these different variables that you learn through experience. And a lot of those experiences come during your time in school. So I don't see a world where it's completely remote. I do think there'll be some parents that may choose not to send their kids back to school because just like business, they've realized they actually probably get a better education at home in some yeah. cases. You know? um, but for me, uh, it's definitely the social interaction that my kids need and I want them to have because interpersonal communication is just as important as your education. So um I want them to experience that. And then I want them to miss out on all the things that we got to experience as kids. Yeah. And I actually agree with the interpersonal as a communications degree. <laughs> I, that was like one of my favorite classes was learning all about interpersonal communication. So <laughs> I about, a lot about in my book, like inter interpersonal communication is uh, not only a key to success, but can be a, a, a pillar of your success. I got away. I was never the smartest person in the world, 
but I could definitely, you know, sell snow to an Eskimo and my ability to <laughs> definitely what got me in and out of a lot of situations, both as yeah. an undercover detective, um, I'm big brother and, you know, in interviewing interrogations with murderers, you know, that's, it's ability to communicate. Yeah. Well, speaking of like the, when you were an undercover detective and speaking to these criminals and murderers and all this stuff, how was like, you were going undercover a lot. Like, how was that? Like, how was, was that like scary all the time? Or like, like, how was your mental health during all of that? It depends on the person you're going uh, after, you know, like there were cases where you're, you're going after someone who's very low level, not a threat, you know, just someone who's, you know, not doing anything severe and maybe not in possession of weapons. And then there were more severe cases where you're infiltrating a group of individuals that are very dangerous that would have no problem killing you if they figured out who you were. Um, so it can be mentally trying when you're in the moment. And then also afterwards, because for me, when I was undercover, I always completely bought into the role. I became the person that I was pretending to be. And then yeah. leave that role, you know, where you're at parties and, you know, seeing things that you don't normally see. And then at midnight, you go home and instead of going to your own apartment that they believe you're going to, you go home to your family and, you know, yeah. you're reading books or whatever to your kids the next morning. And, you know, you have to be able to switch it on and off. And it is sometimes difficult to do that. And you can find yourself in positions where you kind of, the two kind of meld together. Um, and that's why you usually have someone who oversees you to keep checking in on you to make sure that if they notice any type of situation where you are kind of blending the two lives, they can kind of pull you back and say, Hey, I think we need a break. That's awesome. That's like really, I think that's so important because like also like actors that do method acting, it's the same thing. Like when you're in a role, like, and that's what you're focusing on. If it's like a, like a rough role or like someone who has to play like a serial killer, you don't, you want to learn the character, but you don't want it to become you. Yeah. Yeah. And those thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how true it is, but you always hear these things about Heath Ledger and how deep he went with Joker and how that contributed to his depression. I don't know if that's true or not, but it is an interesting theory because he really did a great job with that character. And it really felt like he bought into Joker and you will always wonder if that was part of it, you know, him putting him in that yeah. mind, be so good in that role um, that it actually affected his personal life outside of the role. I can see that being true. I don't know if you ever saw the movie about Ted Bundy with Zac Efron I did. on Netflix. Yep. Um, like, I think I saw an interview or something that like he had to even be careful too, because like having to be in that role, like it, he would get depressed or things because it's such a deep hole that they're going into. Yeah. You think about another person, one of my favorite actors, although he's not one of my favorite people anymore, based on the <laughs> allegations made against him, um, would be Shia LaBeouf. Shia yeah. LaBeouf who really is like a method actor and like really i mean i think for fury the movie fury which was this war movie you know his character didn't have a tooth in the front so instead of using like a prosthetic or makeup like everyone else he like pulled out his tooth so he's really extreme but i always thought he was a good actor but again um based on current events with him and yeah things that i'm not a fan of him as a person at all but uh <laughs> but yeah but yeah he some people really do take on the role to a certain extreme and um that has to have a mental effect on you you know to if, yeah. you're, that, if you're that into the role oh, i couldn't imagine that's so i didn't know that that's like oh yeah, i don't think he did it <laughs> himself, 
but I, from what I've but heard, the bow, like I like my teeth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I, that's what I I read somewhere, and I, I believe it was true. But um, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. And then also, alongside you becoming like an undercover, you were an undercover detective, but not, then you also now go into this Big Brother house where you got to kind of use your method as well you got to almost use your method acting as well and you did an incredible job I mean you won definitely gave me a good advantage um because I kind of treated the game like an undercover operation and like you said I mean it's it's what I was doing every day so it wasn't too far of a stretch from what I was accustomed to doing anyways and fortunately you know in Big Brother there was certain twists and stuff that allowed me to kind of exploit what I was good at, even a little bit further. Um, so yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I had a ton of fun, met some really good friends, made some, uh, you know, amazing memories. Um, I don't know if I'll ever do it again, but it was, it was a lot of fun and it's something that, you know, I'll remember for the rest of my life for sure. Yeah. I was talking to Nicole Anthony. Uh, mm-hmm. She was recently on my podcast and we were talking and she had said something that I think Danny had said it's like you know what you're getting into but a lot of you will still do it again and it's like just the craziness of living in that house for so long without like technology and everything. Yeah it's interesting that you say that because those two individuals you had both uh, Nicole and Danny on your podcast. Um, Not Danny she um, I had Nicole but this is what Nicole said um, from the Danny had said on the show. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And it's interesting because that was a, that was a contributing factor to me not going on this season. I was asked to go and uh, I turned it down. And the main reason was my daughter and it, it, you know, it wasn't just the physical presence of my daughter, but the mental impact it would have on not only her, but me, I really didn't want to for three months. And I, during a, a pandemic, when my kids needed me more than ever with distance learning and all these things going on and mentally how it affected my wife, you know, considering she would have to take on all those responsibilities. Um, So there was just a lot that went into it. And my biggest fear was that she asked me not to go. So if I had manipulated her into letting me go and, and then, then the day I had to leave, she's sitting there crying, asking me not to go. And I choose to leave I wonder how that would have affected her trust in me going forward. Yeah. No, you know, dad up to this point has never let me down. And yet when I asked him to do something for me, he chose a reality TV show over me. Um, right. I think some parents went, I give him a lot of credit for doing it. Um, I just couldn't do it. Maybe they're more mentally stronger than me. I just couldn't do it. And I was so fearful of coming home and looking at Tenley, my daughter and, and having her, noticing that she was looking at me differently yeah that wasn't worth any amount of money to me and I just knew that if I went and played that's what would be on my mind the whole time so I wouldn't have been a good player so um it's interesting you know because you do think that if they call you you'll go again and if you asked me four or five years ago um if I would go back I would have said yes but in that moment where Tenley was old enough to articulate her she just superseded any ambition I had to go which is an interesting thing but I'm, I'm really glad it, it went it played out the way it did and I think that's truly honestly I think that's even more mentally strong I think that's truly an amazing human being that you'd put that you're putting your children and your daughter before maybe something you wanted to do 
because yeah, that's going to be long-term impacts compared to the three months or however long it was like, yeah, that's three months, but this could change the path of, or the impact of your relationship for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and listen, by no means am I like painting myself as like this, you know, model parent or whatever. No, I, of course not. I make a lot of mistakes too, but um, yeah, no, it was just for me. And, and again, like I said, there were parents that went on that season and uh, did a great job. And um, you know, uh, it seems like their kids are fine. So, you know, there's a very, there's the other side of the token is who knows what would have happened if I would have went, you know, I could have went um, my best friend won. So I wouldn't change it, but mad, you know, the first time I went, I didn't know I was going to win. I went in there to play the game. I ended up changing my family's life uh, right. by winning. Who knows what would have happened if I went in again? So there's always that what if, but um, there would have been a what if either way. And I was just more willing to risk the what if financially than I was willing to risk the what if mentally on my kids. Yeah. And I think also probably what made it easier for you the first time is your daughter was so little. Yeah, that was a where big... and just like a lot of these parents, their kids are real little too now. Like not all of them were older, so that could be too. Yeah, she couldn't. She couldn't. Um, she couldn't even speak really when I left. So yeah. Peyton wasn't born yet, so um, it was a lot easier. And again, like I said, <laughs> the fact that she was, she's eight, um, we have a great relationship. She's my best friend, and it's like you know, uh-huh. and you know, it's like she told me right out, you know, eventually I had to get it out of her, but she just was like, you know, would you be mad if I didn't want you to go? And I know my daughter, I know what that means. So I said, no, and actually <laughs> call him tomorrow and tell him I'm not going because you just answered my question without answering it. So um, <laughs> I did, you know, listen, we watched big brother the season together as a family. Aww. And I was, you know, watching my best friend when it was almost like me winning. So it, you know, it was a nice consolation prize. Yeah. Um, so before we like start to wrap up, would you like to, can you tell us a little bit more about like the different things you've been doing since the show, like your book, your podcast and your show, like tell us a little bit more how you got into it. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of an evolution after the big brother show. I, I came back home and went back to being a police officer. Um, there was an agent that reached out to me while I was in LA, wanted to pursue some TV stuff with me. I wasn't really interested in it at first, but he was a good salesman and he's <laughs> one of my better friends today, but you know, I ended up signing with him. I was fortunate enough to get a show, uh, three seasons on uh, Discovery ID. First was a special for OJ. The last two were uh, my own show, Breaking Homicide. And then during that time, I had a goal that I had established for myself that I wanted to write a book because I felt like I had something different and unique to talk about in a different way. And so I spent the next year and a half writing a book, which came out in 2017. Yikes. I hope that's the right year, but it came out. (laughs) for a bit and uh yeah now i have the new crime weekly podcast i'm working on a television show for uh another network um we should be filming that knock on wood next month if covid uh allows it um it's been pushed off for almost a year now so um it's it's due um i'm in the middle of writing a movie script because after writing the book i uh decided i wanted to write a an actual movie script and and see if i could sell that like i sold the book so we're about 80 pages in so, um, that's amazing. Yeah. It's a, it's a law enforcement style, uh, story, but it has a very deep, uh, social issue issue attached to it. So it could be very, uh, could be very, the timing could be perfect when it's finally ready. But again, these are all little bucket list things that keep me motivated, <laughs> keep me young, but 
overall, just, you know, spending time with my kids, watching them grow, running the private investigation consulting firm. Cause it, like I said earlier, that's, what's putting food on the table. Um, and everything else is just kind of to keep me young and keep me moving. Well, you're doing some awesome things. So that's incredible. And I'm so glad you got to come on the show today. Um, where can my followers find you? Yeah. So uh, social media, it's um, Twitter. It's at Derek L. It's D-E-R-R-I-C-K-L. Um, on Instagram, it's at Derek Lavasser. F- same spelling for first name, D-E-R-R-I-C-K. Last name's L-E-V-A-S-S-E-U-R. Um, same thing on Facebook. And then uh, they can also go to my website, www.officialderek.com if they want to see more about the private investigation consulting firm or the book or anything. It's all on there. Well, thank you. Um, and this was another episode of With Love Alexa. Bye, guys. <laughs>